Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. This week, we are discussing A Touch of Ruin by Scarlett St. Clair. It is the second book in a series. The third one is coming out later this month, A Touch of Malice. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do the characters and locations and Marissa is going to do our plot. So uh, we covered the first book. So this is more just a little bit of a refresher. We have a few gods in here. Uh, Persephone. She's the goddess of spring. Her mother is Demeter. In this version version of the story, uh, Persephone is a journalist. Hades. He's the god of the dead and the love interest. Uh, People think that he's awful, but he's actually a genius billionaire philanthropist. Hermes, the messenger god, he is the comic relief of the book and he helps Persephone a lot. Apollo, he is the god of music. He is incredibly popular, but he is awful to women and Persephone wants to take him down. Hecate, she's the goddess of magic. She is very supportive of Hades and Persephone. She empowers Persephone and attempts to help her learn her powers. Um, We have a couple higher beings. Sybil, she's an oracle who gets her gift of prophecy taken away by Apollo after rejecting him. There's Zophie, an Amazon Aegis sent to protect Persephone. Luce is one of Hades' past lovers. He turned her into a tree for cheating on him with Apollo. Then we have our humans. Lexus Sedaris, she is Persephone's best friend. She is a very happy person who encourages Persephone to write and gives her relationship advice. And she is in a relationship with a man named Jason. Then we have Dimitri. He is Persephone's supervisor at New Athens News. Pirithus is a janitor slash stalker at New Athens News. And there are two locations. There's the upper world and underworld. So the upper world is world with mortals and um, just like our world. And then the underworld is where Hades is and it's where all the dead are. So Marissa, you want to do our plot? Yep, I will pick up our plot. So the story begins shortly after the end of A Touch of Darkness with Hades and Persephone having recently reunited. Persephone works with these souls in the underworld to plan a party for the summer solstice and practices with Hecate to begin to control her magic. And though Persephone is happy to be back with Hades, she is insecure about herself in their relationship and begins to doubt the longevity of their relationship. And she struggles with the idea of becoming the queen of the underworld. In the upper world, news of Hades and Persephone's very public reunion has spread and Persephone arrives at work at the New Athens News to hordes of people outside of her office building clamoring to see her. Her boss, Dimitri, notifies her that the paper's owner is demanding that she write an exclusive for the paper with all of the details of her relationship with Hades or she will lose her job. She is understandably upset and angry. That evening, she and her best friend, Lexa, are watching a movie when their friend, Sybil, arrives at their door in tears because the god Apollo, her boss, has fired her from her job as PR manager. 
removed her powers as an oracle and kicked her out of his home after she refused to sleep with him. Persephone is upset with how her friend has been treated and wants to write an article exposing Apollo, but promises Hades that she will not after he explains how dangerous that would be for her because Apollo is a dangerous god. Persephone and Lexa help Sybil move out of Apollo's apartment and into theirs, and while returning the moving van, Persephone runs into a nymph who claims to be Hades' ex-lover. Her name is Luce. So she confronts Hades at his club, and Hades reveals that Luce, up until a few days ago, had been a poplar tree for the last 2,000 years after he transformed her into a poplar tree for betraying him. Luce appears at Persephone's office the next day and apologizes for how she introduced herself to Persephone and reveals that in response to the argument he and Persephone had about Luce the previous day, Hades fired her from her job and kicked her out of the home that he had provided for her after she left her tree form. Persephone feels bad for her and offers to let her stay at her apartment. When she arrives home, Luce, Persephone, and Sybil drink too much and construct an article about Apollo and his string of dead or cursed ex-lovers. Persephone sends it to her boss, who publishes it. Apollo's followers are infuriated by the publication of this uh, article that slanders Apollo and post up outside of uh, Persephone's workplace and are very threatening towards her. Hades sequesters Persephone in the underworld for protection from Apollo, who will, without question, seek retribution. And Hades meets with Apollo without Persephone, where he makes a bargain for a favor of Apollo's choosing in exchange for not punishing Persephone. She discovers this and is very angry with Hades for leaving her out. Hades is also angry with Persephone for writing the article about Apollo in the first place, which put her in danger but also broke the promise that she made to him that she wouldn't write an article. So they fight and they make up and they're orgasms for everybody. While at work, Persephone receives a call from Jason, Lexa's boyfriend. And he says that Lexa is in the hospital in critical condition after she was hit by a car while crossing the street. Lexa's family arrives at the hospital and they learn that Lexa is in a coma. Persephone asks Hades to spare Lexa's life, and he states that he cannot control what happens to her fate. Lexa is currently in limbo, and Persephone must give her time to decide if she wants to return her body or if her soul wants to pass on to the afterlife. Persephone is frustrated by what she perceives as his refusal to help. Days pass, and Lexa does not wake, and Persephone's sadness, frustration, and helplessness grow. Demeter appears in Lex's hospital room where Persephone is and suggests that Apollo may be able to help her heal Lexa. And so feeling desperate, Persephone seeks the gods' help and ends up revealing to Apollo that she is a goddess and makes a bargain to agree to be his friend for six months in exchange for healing Lexa. He agrees and uses the magic to heal her body, but it seems that using magic to interfere, interfere with death breaks some rules and the Furies arrive to deliver Apollo and Persephone to Hades, who is furious and feels betrayed again by Persephone, 
for her seeking Apollo's help after Hades made a deal to protect her. So they fight, and Hades states that in trying to save Luxa, Persephone has condemned her to a fate worse than death. So Luxa wakes, but it, it becomes obvious in the days and the weeks that follow that she is not the same. She's often confused, sometimes frantic, frantic and panicked, and though she eventually calms enough to be able to be discharged from the hospital and go home, she is not the same Lexa that she was before she was injured. Persephone begins to realize that she may have made a mistake in seeking Apollo's help to heal Lexa, that she must also make good on her agreement with Apollo when he summons her randomly to hang out with him. One evening, he invites her to hang out at an event at a club where Persephone shares her worries over her relationship with Hades after betraying him by seeking Apollo's help. And Apollo shockingly offers words of comfort and shares his own story of heartache where he accidentally killed his lover and was unable to save him from death. And so Persephone begins to realize that maybe Apollo just needs someone to set boundaries and be his friend. And that's something that she is willing to offer him. So Hades arrives at the club to escort Persephone home to the underworld after she gets very drunk. She wakes alone in the underworld and is immediately thrown into the final preparations for the summer solstice party, which is today. Um, it goes off without issue, but Hades is noticeably absent, which frustrates Persephone. He returns after the party has ended and Persephone confronts him and she expresses her fears about not being an adequate, adequate queen and addresses their communication issues. Hades allays some of her fears and they make up orgasms again. Yay. Um, but Persephone wakes in the night and realizes that Hades is gone and something feels wrong to her. And so she gets up and she walks into one of the forests in his realm where she sees Hades and Luce having sex and Persephone goes nuclear. She calls an insane amount of power to her. She splits the earth in her in the underworld with massive roots. And when Hades tries to stop her, he is unable to overpower her. So he has to call on Hecate to uh, subdue her. And so when she wakes, Hecate reveals that Persephone was under the influence of an enchantment and she wandered into the forest of despair, which reflects back her worst fears. And so Hades didn't ever actually cheer, cheat on her. It was just a reflection of her, her worst fear, which is that, that Hades will betray her. And so Hades has not betrayed her, but somebody has. Who could it be? How will things turn out with Lexa? And what is Persephone going to do about her life in the upper world? You'll have to read the book to find out, or you can keep listening because from here on out, there's just lots and lots of spoilers. Um, this is an after dark episode. We will be discussing sex and some mature themes. Uh, so Marissa, was this your first read of this book? This was my first read of this book. I bought the first one and read it many moons ago and then bought this one. It was on sale. I think on Black Friday, and then never got around to reading it. So this was my first read. These are my mostly unprocessed reactions in this episode. Awesome. 
this is my this was my second read of it um persephone drove me insane in this book yeah i they both drove me insane in this yeah i really like these characters that they both need couples therapy and i think i mean it's mostly just that they neither of them has really had a romantic relationship that required the level of communication needed to be successful in a romantic relationship and so when i read their interactions i just wanted to say just talk just talk to each other y'all need therapy yes i would i would get so frustrated because she would be like i have to go talk to him and then they would go she would go and then they would have sex and i'd be like no stop it like i love the sex but stop it that's not you're not resolving your problems it's just gonna get worse yeah um so that was frustrating for me even as much as i loved the sex scenes in this book oh there was so much sex and i loved all of it yes like in the first chapter <laughs> like we start out with oral sex on the table I'm like, yes honey this is a strong start i love this <laughs> yep. i mean i and i understand why both parties have these communication issues especially persephone she's had the most sheltered life she's not been able to see what a healthy relationship is yeah and then Hades is like a thousand, like not even a thousand, like he's, his lifetime is endless. And so for him to spend so much time either alone or not having to be accountable to anybody, I mean, I understand why both of them struggle with being in a relationship. Yeah, definitely. I mean, could you imagine after like thousands and thousands of years, all of a sudden being like, oh, hey, you have to like, remember there's somebody else that you need to tell things to? Yeah, that's got to be a hard adjustment. But like you said, neither one of them really, they also, neither one of them really saw like healthy relationships, like even Hades, like look at the examples that were around him. Mm -hmm. Not good. Not good. Not good. And Um, his parents, hmm? you know, his parents, like his dad ate him. Like that's not, his mom (laughs) deceived his dad. (laughs) and have it had him overthrown like that's not (laughs) yeah it doesn't his life doesn't start off on a great note right (laughs) just to begin with um yeah so they both kind of were set up for I guess failure a little bit in a for a serious relationship yeah I actually think in this book Persephone kind of understands more about what goes into a better relationship because she's Mm -hmm. she's the one who's like we need to talk and yeah she at least realizes that and Hades is just like I'm gonna punish you yeah with my (laughs) dick dick. I'm like I mean okay (laughs) go ahead I mean that's nice but you still need to talk (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly what a punishment I mean really with Persephone's upbringing, it's miraculous that she knows anything about what a good relationship should be like at all. And I'm assuming that's coming from the time that she spent with mortals in the upper world. 
Definitely. I think especially Lexa, because Lexa gives her like relationship advice and is like, hey, talk to him. And she also kind of so one of the main issues that Persephone is struggling with is wanting to have both, you know, like trying to balance life in the underworld and trying to balance life in the upper world. And Lexa is like, oh, um, you can have both. But she also says if she had a choice, she would, she would never leave the underworld. Right. Which on my reread of it, yes, I was like, oh, that's foreshadowing. Yeah. So there you go. I saw some foreshadowing there. Yeah. I think Persephone really clings to the, the idea of the, the mortal world. And I don't, I'm not sure if I completely understand why. I don't know if it's just like, if it's because she did spend so much time under Demeter's thumb that being independent in the upper world was the like the first thing that she got to do for herself by herself. And so I don't I don't know if she struggles with giving it up or just embracing life as a goddess because it's like giving up on this thing that she got to choose for herself then that I I could understand that that would be really hard. Yeah. I the only problem I have with her being like no no what well, there that's not true. There are several problems I have with it. Like no, I definitely want to like stay in the mortal world is that she's not even trying to learn her powers and in the first book she wanted powers. Yeah. You know, and now she has them. And she's doing nothing with them and she's suppressing them to the point where now they're like hurting her. When she gets upset, thorns and flowers like come out of her body Mm -hmm. and hurt her. Um, And she doesn't put a ton of energy into learning her powers at all. We have, I think, three scenes Mm -hmm. in the series, two with Hecate and one with Hades Hades. where, which by the way, that was a, that was a good scene. That was a Um, really good scene. Um, and you know, otherwise she's just like suppressing it, but, yeah. um, it's kind s- of frustrating that she doesn't spend so much time or much time working on developing her powers because heck she's got Hecate there. Who's trying really hard to help her. I love Hecate in this book. Yes. She is one of my favorite characters in this book, her and Hermes. Me too. Yeah, um, both of them. They're so, I mean, they're they're good friends to Persephone. Yeah. Definitely. Hecate's super supportive and like affectionate with her too, which is not, I like that for Persephone because I doubt that she got, a, it doesn't read like she got a lot of affection growing up, at least not from her mother. And so it's nice for her to have like friendly figures or even like mentor figures in her life who are affectionate with her. Mm-hmm. I could see calls her like darling. And I, I, you know, she's just very kind and supportive. And I, I love that for Persephone because she didn't get that growing up. And she gets, I mean, she gets that support from Lexa, um, but Lexa's not gonna be able to teach her how to use magic, so. Yeah. I felt so bad for Lexa in this series or in the series in this, in book. this book. I did. Yeah. 
like I understand her suffering and her death like was needed because it's something that Persephone has never had to face mm -hmm. before and um so I understand that but I I feel really bad for her and I felt it was interesting Jason's reaction yeah all, like he was I felt like something more was gonna come of that you know like because he was like he was really upset at Persephone and even not even necessarily related to Hades because um what does he say to her shoot he's just very like kind of accusatory towards her he is really accusatory and very like I mean it's it it's like he blames Persephone for Hades not trying to save Lexa and that's not that's not Persephone's fault but this this book is like a book of lessons I feel like for Persephone I feel like she it seems like she learns several lessons in the course of this book and so she doesn't up until this it's like she doesn't you know she's she's heard the stories of how mortals react with humans or how mortals react with the gods when they deny them the things that they want. But she's, she's never really experienced it, I guess, for mm -hmm. she, until this book. And so she gets to experience that situation where she is connected to a god who has something that they want, and that's not something that they can attain. And Jason responds negatively to her because of that. So she gets to experience the things that Hades has told her about the requests. Things yeah. like that. She does learn a lot of lessons in this book. That's a good point. Because she also learns um, a good lesson from her boss, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and her boss's boss, right? So they or so her boss tells her that she has to write an article about how she met I guess and fell in love with Hades about their relationship or they're gonna fire her okay HR person is that allowed <laughs> no no that is super super illegal but I was I read that and I was like I wanted to be like report this to HR <laughs> that's what I thought I was like you need to report this to HR because this is not okay this is like you have a lawsuit here but we have to remember <laughs> that this is in like new Greece, right? Mm -hmm. This is not our world, but I feel like some basic privacy rights should still exist. Yes, they should. Apparently not. Um, but that, because that was frustrating for me to read, to be like, that's so illegal. <laughs> but I think, uh, so what Dimitri says this, which I think is a really good lesson for her. Uh, there are some powers journalism cannot fight. And one of those is money. Because uh, she's very idealistic. And so she wants justice. But mm -hmm. at the same time, she like needs to kind of learn how the real world works, right? right? And it's awful that this is the way the world works. And it shouldn't be the way the world works. Mm -hmm. um, but she can't dismantle people's perceptions of the gods in like one day. You know, it's not, that's not how that works. She needs right. to sort of spend more time learning like kind of the rules, right? This is her 
she's only been in the mortal world for like what like a year or something right i think it's been about oh no because she went to college that's right she she graduated from college so it's been maybe four or five years four or five years and so but college is very like sequestered itself you know it has its own culture and own rules so learning how the world works outside of that is very different um so I think she really should have taken some more time watching what's going on around her listening to people who know more yeah um learning the system finding the loopholes within the system and then exploiting them so that she can dismantle the system right sort of thing um that was frustrating for me to read her whole I'm just gonna write an article about Apollo and it's gonna go like great and he's gonna change and no Persephone don't do it don't do it I know but that's coming from us as like I'm reading that as like a 32 year old like I my uh perceptions of things as a 22 year old were not the same as my perceptions of things as a 32 year old and so reading it from this perspective I can look at her in this situation and say that's that's not how this works and it's not it's not going to turn out well for you but reading reading it through the lens of I mean like a 20 like my 22 year old self would probably interpret this in a different maybe I don't know I feel like I was a lot more idealistic kind of like this or just my perception was different when I was 22 than I than it is now and so some of these things that she needs to, to learn, like you said, it's just, it's a, it takes time and exposure and age. And so it's frustrating to read it now through the, the lens that I have, but I understand like this for Persephone being 22 or 23, it definitely reads that way, like from her perspective as someone who's like, who's frontal lobe is still developing and they haven't fully developed all of those like planning sensors in their brain (laughs) and um i i think this representation of her kind of reads true to what where the character has is at in experience in her life uh when she has that first interaction with pyrethus Mm-hmm. Yes, oh I gosh. highlighted this part in my book because she she sees him and her first instinct is suspicion and distrust and like a little anxiety and trepidation and she ignores first instinct and I was like I highlighted it you never ignore the first instinct <laughs> uh, if your gut is telling you something is suspicious you should listen to it if you had a problem with this too right yes I did so I highlighted it too but I also brought it up because when she's talking about like writing an article about Apollo she says to Hades like I'll be careful like or she says you know I'll be careful but it's like would but you wouldn't, you don't have the best track record of that, right? Like you tried to swim across <laughs> the river sticks, basically, you know? Um, and then I put also, she follows a strange man to a basement and gets in his trash cart. 
Mm-hmm. And she feels weirded out by him. And her thought process is, she says, I think I just watch uh, too much crime TV. And I'm like, I don't think you watch enough if you're willing to get into a trash cart with a yes. strange man giving off weird vibes. Yes. Watch more. Watch on, more like- <laughs> Law and Order SVU. Yes. Put and that Criminal on- <laughs> Mind. <laughs> like, just put it on USA. And yes. like, I think that's all they play at this Pretty point. Much, yeah. <laughs> Law and Order SVU. Just have that in the background. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Always and- trust the first instinct. <laughs> I think I think some of that is coming just from her being a little naive and inexperienced though you know being so sheltered and also not being super confident in herself maybe she doesn't trust herself i i mean i don't know i guess she never learned stranger danger she wouldn't have to she was in a cage i know that's why i said i guess she never learned stranger danger but listen to your i mean that's just not (laughs) good decision like that's I don't necessarily even know if that's from naivete 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 mm-hmm. yeah um from that it's just I don't I don't know she clearly knows that something bad could happen to her yeah right so she's not I guess naive with that maybe she just feels uh, I don't know even like oh you know what's interesting Talking about her frontal lobe not being fully developed, I do remember learning that um, at that age, you're more likely to take risks like this because you're more likely to feel um, invincible. Right. Well, I'm sure, you know, being a goddess, there is that. (laughs) Yes, yes. And mortal, there is that (laughs) feeling of invincibility. (laughs) Yes, but bad things can still happen to her. Right. You know, especially when she hasn't mastered her powers. Yes, yeah. I know. You know, like maybe if she completely mastered her powers and was like, yeah, sure, I'll get in your strange trash cart. I know I can, but like. <laughs> Don't ever get in a man's trash cart. <laughs> Don't follow a man to a basement. Into a basement. And then yeah. we find out that Pirithus is a demigod. Oh, yes. I actually highlighted part of this one. He's like, oh, yes, I'm the son of Zeus. And she says, oh, gods, no wonder why you're such a fucking creep. And I was like, oh, my God, that's great. Okay, so going back, I guess, to their um, Hades and Persephone's dysfunctional relationship. Another issue that I had with it was that um, Persephone kind of played games a lot with him versus like so she thought he was playing games mm-hmm. but that wasn't really the case it's just how she was perceiving things you know but so they fight and she doesn't she she doesn't like go to him to see mm-hmm. him and like make up even though that's what she wants she wants him to come to her yeah. even though there's repeatedly been instances where it's like i'm giving you space so she acts out in order to get attention yeah and it's like uh, come on yeah they don't communicate well that's the whole issue in their relationship they don't and i don't um there are a couple of times when hades does something that irritates her so she does something that will irritate him back Um, and and he says this a couple of times like we're not this is not like she apologizes we're not 
keeping score here. It's not like a, you do something. So I do something. This is not how this relationship needs to work, which I think is a good statement. They just yeah. don't, they don't know how to talk to each other. The only time that they're vulnerable is when they're having sex, which sure, that's a great time to be vulnerable, but you need to allow that in your other interactions as well, or you're not going to make any progress forward. Definitely. I got so frustrated when they have that fight over loose and she leaves and he thinks he's giving her space and she feels like she's being rejected. Just talk, just talk to each other. That was my thought through so much of this. Use your words, <laughs> use your words. Just come on. Yeah, that was frustrating you think so it's not all on persephone because hades well, no yeah is doesn't completely listen to what she says you mm-hmm. know so when lex is in the hospital hades isn't there to support her and i understand kind of why you know like that's kind of a weird you know the god of um the dead mm-hmm. right showing up at the hospital not super super cool I guess could understand why people would be a little nervous, but she wanted that support. Even mm-hmm. if he like drove her there, maybe waited outside with her yeah. or for her, you know, something like that. Even to just offer that. You could have sat in the waiting room and you're right. Even yeah. just offering. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, well, I didn't know you wanted me there. And she's like, of course I do. You know, I want you there for big moments. And then the solstice party comes around and he doesn't show up. I know. And I was like, she already, she talked to you about this Hades like come on yeah I was frustrated with that too yeah especially because it's a party like mm-hmm. go to the party yeah he says well the, the souls celebrate everything and she says it's important to your people and it's important to me I wanted you to be there is that why you wanted a queen so you could just have someone delegate stuff for you and you could go do what I mean and that I under like her frustration is very understandable in that situation because she spent quite a lot of time planning this thing and she wants him to be involved in big things like that it would be very frustrating to put all that effort in and the person who's in charge of the realm not even show up you know she's never been close to anyone that's died before i mean has he ever really had to help anyone through the grieving process though like he's dealing with people when they're dead already, you know? Well, yeah. So, and he's noticeably absent from like them crossing over for the most part, right? Like, so there was that point where Persephone, you know, meets them at like the river sticks, greets them and is like, hey. So he's just kind of absent other than for like judgment and things like that. So I don't even think he's really ever had to help anyone through the grieving process. Maybe, but I would think he would have a better understanding of what grief is and at least be able to explain to Persephone the process of what's going to happen with, you know, her soul crossing into limbo and the decision process that she's going to have to make and that Thanatos is going to start showing up and that at some point she's going to be pulled over. I mean, at least if she knew that, maybe she could be prepared and meet Lexa at the River Styx when she crosses over or things like that. Um, he knows the process of what's going to happen when someone dies that's his realm he like that is the thing those are the things that happen when someone died 
dies, he knows the process and he in the book doesn't explain it. And it's not like she would know necessarily, or at least not have the same insight that he was, he would. And so I think that he could have this opportunity to bring some comfort to her and he doesn't do it. And maybe he, you know, maybe grief is not his specialty, but he's existed long enough to have maybe an understanding of what some humans experience when a loved one dies and to be able to, his life, his lifetime is endless. And Persephone says this, like you've been, you have, you're so far removed from this whole thing that you don't even understand what these feelings are like anymore. And she's losing her best friend. And for someone who is the God of the dead, you would think that Hades would be a little bit better at understanding grief and the grieving process. And he is noticeably absent. Apollo is an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's consistently, especially in this book, they bring it up quite a bit about him being a jerk to women. Right. And one of his really, I guess, famous stories myths is um how he treats cassandra right and so this is his myth that's also brought over into so it happens during the trojan war i think right Mm -hmm. yeah and he is mad that cassandra left him or rejected him whatever so he curses her with sight but nobody will believe her Right. So she's predicting the downfall of the city and nobody believes her. And I, this is just one of my favorite myths for some reason. Um, But it led to something called the Cassandra complex. Right. So, you know how we have the Oedipus complex. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the Cassandra complex too, which is basically when you're saying that something bad is going to happen, like, and nobody will believe you. Um, or that you're saying, hey, I had a bad experience with something. I'm suffering. I'm like suffering either physically or mentally and people are not believing you, which I think you see a lot. It's like sort of um, with women in healthcare, mm-hmm. you know, it's, this is the Cassandra complex. Um, anyway, and they do reference Cassandra and that's just a little bit of a side ta- tangent about the Cassandra yeah. myth because I really like it. Um Oh, I also thought this was interesting. So sense, right? Um, Apollo smells like wood and eucalyptus. And whenever I see eucalyptus, I always wonder this, if the author picked it for a particular reason, because it's something that smells really good, but can also kill you. So I always wonder if when they pick eucalyptus, if they're hinting at maybe the person who smells like eucalyptus being somebody kind of duplicitous. Yeah. Um. And in this case, this was what Apollo smelled like. And yeah, he essentially looks and smells great. You know, like he seems like a great guy on the surface, but he's a jerk. Yeah. Um, so in this case, I was right. <laughs> well, I don't, know right. If, I don't know if that's why she picked it or not, but that, you know. It fits. It, yeah. It fits. Yeah. Apollo's character is really interesting. I hope that we see more of him going forward. Because we start to see a change in him from the beginning of the book where he's like a freaking psycho to the end (laughs) where we understand why he's a psycho. Although that doesn't really absolve 
you know, like cursing and murdering people. Um, but the story about his lover who he injured and then like tried to heal and they kept dying and dying and dying and and it made me feel bad for him yeah and then um when Hades tells like um his side of the story because Apollo was really angry at Hades for right you know he wanted to be with his lover and Hades refused him yeah because he would have had to been thrown into um God damn it. I always want to say tar- Tartarus, Tartarus. Tartarus? Tartarus. Yeah. I don't know why. Okay, so Tartarus, because he wanted to be thrown because that's the only way to kill a god. But it's also, like, basically hell. Yeah. I think. Um, and that was kind of surprising almost to me that any god really would want to die that way and condemn themselves to hell which though i understand with the situation you know um he lost his the person that he loved and it was his fault fault, you know he Mm -hmm. probably feels like he deserves to be punished yeah um you think it would have been maybe something that he would have learned and grown from though too but maybe do gods learn and grow from their actions no, they don't. I think I'm <laughs> expecting too much of them. You're, you have really high expectations for these deities. <laughs> you need to lower them. I do I do think that Persephone should have listened a little bit better to literally the, the everyone who was telling her she needed to take the threats that they were saying about Apollo seriously. Uh, I think that it was unwise of her to brush off i mean everyone who had any experience with hate apollo warned her you know he's basically a psychopath and very dangerous and just because you were able to take these actions with hades doesn't mean you'll be able to do that with apollo so yeah i mean every single person hades warned her hermes warned her her friends warned her like her boss warned her right yeah Yeah, like everybody come on adequately warned and she chose to ignore all of those things with apollo uh, the way that he treats sybil is really awful and she says something that like left me shook so she says i know how history treats women and it just reminded me of all of the times when like women or um, have been assaulted by men and weren't believed or uh, were victim blamed because the guy was nice or respected in the community or was famous or she was walking down an alley in the dark or uh, I don't know, intoxicated or whatever. I agree with you. I think that was the parallel the author was trying to make, too. Yeah. The Scarlet Sinclair was trying to make. Um, because I had that same same thought, mm-hmm. you know. And not only, I guess, with that history of women. You know, women are, 
I mean, yeah, just treated poorly historically. Right. You know, um, tied to a stake and burned. <laughs> tied to a stake and burned. I mean, there are no action or no consequences really to the actions of men, you right. know, in the past with for um, poor treatment of women. And we see this carried over to, um, I guess, I guess this is like current times or more modern times with what happens to Sybil with the gods um, lacking that. And women also being forgotten is a huge part of, we talked about this. Did we talk about this last week? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about, I think your name's Rosalind Carter, the person who uh, discovered DNA. And then it was later given, uh, like the discovery was attributed to two men. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was um, kind of interesting because she has, she's an oracle, right? And so she can see things and like kind of warn him and tell him what's going on and all of this. And he would end up getting the credit for it, you know? Yeah. Again, with my stretching, that too much of a stretch. Uh -uh. Um, So I actually, I thought that kind of like hit both sides of history treating women, you know? We forget yeah. about them. They're pushed to the side, even when they make a big impact, and they're assaulted and not believed. Yes, that's great. Rosalind Franklin, not Carter. Rosalind Franklin is the person who discovered DNA. Let's move on to something a little bit happier. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the treatment of women. <laughs> Uh, okay well let's talk about sex then yes let's talk about sex let's talk about sex uh the sex is my favorite part of this book i think (laughs) besides hecate and hermes um well i mean i like other parts of this book too but there's so much sex in this book and i just really appreciate all of it even if they are using it to not talk about their feelings Hades has the dirtiest mouth. Oh my gosh. Yes. He says, uh, I will punish you until you scream and until you come so hard around my cock that you are left in doubt. Uh, you are left in no doubt of my affection. Like, oh, Lord. See, I picked a line as well but from that that I highlighted because I was like, oh, uh, he says, pray to me beg me to make you come and I was like okay yes yes Yes, honey all right (laughs) it was good sex it was really great and there was a lot of it and I yes (laughs) I mean not like I appreciate it and I feel conflicted about it sometimes too like when they he discovers her iniquity and they have sex against the mirror and it's super hot but at the same time they're avoiding talking about you know why they're all angry about the existence of iniquity in the first place and how Hades has kept it from Persephone. And she's like, I'm really mad, but also I need this. So yeah, that, that was like, the sex was so good, but I was like, oh, gosh, they used it as a distraction because they have great chemistry yeah. and Hades has great words. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm normally yeah. not into like that dirty talk sort of thing, but this yeah. Hades... I was into it. I was like, yeah. yes. So there is a part where so when she goes to sneak in to see Apollo, right? Yeah. Um, she introduces herself or well, she gives her name as Cora. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a nice throwback to um Cor, 
Yeah. Was that in the beginning? Was that in the last book? She was called Core. Her mother called her Core, or was that I in a different remember. one? I, I don't remember. In yeah. Laura Olympus, uh, I if you so listeners people, if you love if you like really like the Hades Persephone story, um, you need to check out the Laura Olympus webtoon. It is so good. It is you know a weekly installment of the retelling of the Hades Persephone story. Um, what I really like about that is the way that they transition her from being core to Persephone. So she starts out being core and then something major and destructive happens with her and she becomes Persephone, which is like the bringer of destruction or something. It's a really, it's really good. That's coming out as like a book now, right? A book and it's being adapted for Netflix, which I am thrilled about. I cannot wait. So. Oh, can we talk about Thanatos? Because I feel really bad for him. Me too. I want to hug him. I do too. She yells at him in the hospital for doing his job and he's sad. It makes me sad. And then at the party, he's like sitting in the garden away from it, like watching the fun. He's kind of an outsider. And she's like, go join the party. And he's like, nobody wants me at their parties. (laughs) I want you at my party. (laughs) You can come to my party. We'll throw him a party. It's so sad. It's so sad. Maybe he'll get his own book where he'll be Maybe. less sad. Well, has somebody hug him. Yeah. Well, you, uh, Lexa seemed to express a little bit of interest in him in this book at the end. You know? That's true. So I maybe. wonder if they're like allowed to be with spirits, though. I don't know. I feel like that would be a weird, maybe power dynamic. Maybe the uh, the scene where it's after <laughs> it's after Persephone and Hades fight because he didn't show up for the solstice party. And she they have the sex and she wakes up and it's like something's not right. And she gets up and she walks out into this random forest, um, and she sees. Hades and Luce having sex out in the woods and loses her mind. Mm-hmm. That was such a powerful scene. It made me cry when I was reading it because her agony and uh, betrayal and despair, they were so tangible. Like I, it made me very emotional for her. It didn't make me feel that way because I was like, she probably just wandered off and it's hallucinating because <laughs> that was my thought well, um yeah. but I mean like her pain and everything was real and I like how she got really destructive afterwards that was yeah. great um but I didn't think that he was actually cheating on her or anything like that and I was like didn't you learn anything about wandering around <laughs> I know yeah yeah. like stop wandering off yeah well the dogs led her i guess she thought she could trust his dogs i mean it's, it's not so i did initially think well what are you doing hades but it becomes obvious pretty quickly that it's not yeah yeah but her she was just so distraught it affected me 
I love her power display in this scene as well. Um, that she's so, yeah, like destructive. Like she creates a, a crack in the foundation of the, the, um, the underworld and these roots. She draws these roots out of the upper world with her magic. And it's just so, it's such a massive display of power. And it takes both Hades and Hecate to subdue her. Yeah. I love that. We're, we're finally getting to see a greater display of her power besides just like angrily manifesting a rosebud in her shoulder. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I love seeing her display of power too. It was awesome. And I think, who is it who says that the other gods will fear her? Is it Apollo who tells her that? Or no, Hermes? it's Hecate. Oh, Hecate says it. Yeah, Hecate's very concerned for her after that whole display. Mm-hmm. because I mean she said she says something like she knew that she was powerful but now that she's seen it she's concerned for her yeah especially because she just hasn't spent any time trying to learn her power yeah you know did you find loose suspicious from the start of course yeah. you know nobody shows up and is nah yeah of course. And his ex-lover. Come to this club with me. Oh, sister. <laughs> you know, we're going back to uh, Persephone being naive sort yeah. of thing with Luce. Um Yeah. Yeah. And also Persephone seems to have forgotten about her mother. Like, through yeah, I know. <laughs> At one point, Hecate's like, well, you know that this whole Luce thing is definitely your mom at work. And Persephone's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah like she didn't she, come on but like all of the interactions that Demeter has with her are super destructive for Persephone like that's what motivates her to go to Apollo uh, her mother puts that in her ear she's like I don't know how you can stand to be with somebody who's letting your best friend die you should talk to Apollo Persephone's like yeah I should no why no you're being manipulated yeah her mom oh but in the end when they do have that that confrontation with her mother and she like uses her magic to uh lash her to the ground Mm -hmm. so good there's um she says demeter says something like oh child for that to work i would have to want to be forgiven Mm -hmm. i love that because it's for her it's not like to get back in like her child's good graces or anything you know to become a mother to persephone again it's all about revenge yeah so i really liked that quote um it's all about i would have to want forgiveness Mm -hmm. because it really shows us what her motivations are yeah and then at the end it's snowing in august or something Mm -hmm. oh this is where the rest of the Hades Persephone myth is going to come in, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they say what? It's the start of a war. Yeah. Right. I'm psyched for the third book. Me too. I really am looking forward to it. I'm also, I want to say there's going to be another Hades book coming out and I'm really excited for that. I really enjoyed, I think 
I'm pretty sure it's called A Gang of Fate. Mm-hmm. Hades book. It wasn't just like a, spitting out the exact same thing that happened in Persephone's book, but from Hades' perspective, there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we didn't see or have any inkling about with Persephone's books. Yes. I, yeah, I agree. You want to start off with the quotes? Yeah, let's talk about our quotes. So Hades is such a smooth talker. I mean, he's just, even though he makes lots of mistakes in this book, he says some really great things. And so one of the things that he says to Persephone is, darling, I would burn this world for you. And I just like that. I Something about the visual image of a deity destroying the entire world for you is just really appealing to me. And I liked it. What about you? What was your favorite quote? I also picked a Hades quote that was uh, very smooth, I guess. (laughs) Very charming. He says, I love you. Even if the fates unraveled our destiny, I would find a way back to you. Oh, just so sweet. So sweet. So sweet. Very on point with how I perceive Hades, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just liked it because it was a really sweet quote. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, she's so uncertain about whether Hades loves her or not. And he keeps saying, like, yeah. Yeah, she is. So, so much of this book is about Persephone's lack of confidence and belief in herself. And by the end of this book, developing a greater sense of confidence and belief in herself. And so, uh, so much of, I don't think that she has those feelings of insecurity about his love because he's not devoted and doesn't demonstrate his love. It's more that she's insecure in herself. And that I think improves over the course of the book. She develops a greater sense of self and more confidence in herself, which is part of the journey in this book too. It's, it's a, it's a, um, a story of growth and learning for her, but also her developing confidence in herself and belief in herself. Definitely. Is that part of your final thoughts? Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. So my final thoughts. I I loved I liked this book. I did. I feel like I was very critical of Persephone in it, and I was. Yeah. Um, but I, I still I really enjoyed this book. I'm really looking forward to the third one. I'm hoping that there's not as much conflict in their relationship and as much drama. Um, that they kind of smooth that over a little bit after um this one because I was frustrated with Persephone a lot in this, but it's. I still, you know, I really enjoyed the book. It's a really good book. I think everyone should read it um, after reading the first one. And they should also read Game of Fate. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah. It's a good yeah. series. It's a good series so it's far. It's a great series. Yeah. I, mean, I, I love the Hades Persephone story. I think that the author does a good job of retelling it with some different elements. And I think she incorporates those different Greek mythology elements really well. Um, and I think that she makes it, I mean as relatable as it can be to have a Greek god be relatable to like human life she takes a lot of elements 
I mean, like even like with grief, you know, grief affects the way that you respond to others and the decisions that you make and how you cope with other situations. And I think that she does a good job of writing Persephone's grief and the way that she makes decisions um, in a way that's true to how mortals, humans would respond. So, yeah. And I love her weaving in all of a whole bunch of other, you know, Greek myths. And yeah. Um, yeah. The receptionist being Helen of Troy, Helen, you know. Jason, Erethus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had Adonis in the last one. Yeah. I, I really Myth. like that she does that. Yep. Myth. All righty. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you for joining us. Next week, we'll be discussing The Hobbit by J.R. Tolkien. I'm super excited about this one. The Hobbit is what got me into fantasy reading. So I'm very, we're very excited to discuss it. And we may have a special guest next week. So yay. Yay. Exciting. Okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.